Now streaming, the Netflix and Swill podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Netflix and Swill podcast, your source for Netflix news, reviews, and booze. I'm Caleb. And I'm no longer hosting the show. Goodbye. No, there's just no Shalomi Mahomi, so. <laughs> y- you know. Oh. The, the telltale sign that, dear God, Caleb isn't on this episode. We're co-hosts, Dan. We we both have to host the show. I guess that's that's true. It's just I'm the main host, and you're also here. That's 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 true. <laughs> uh, how how are you? You you missed last week. Uh, I'm doing well. I I really enjoyed your episode from last week. Thanks for stepping up, and thanks for getting Nick to come in. Nick, thank you for holding it down and keeping it tight. Just keep, keep that butthole tight. That's a, a a new day reference, but uh, you you wouldn't you wouldn't understand. It's fine. Uh, how how was your night in the cemetery where you were attacked by zombies and then uh, were gone for a week? Uh it sucked. I was definitely beset by COVID zombies. No one wearing masks. That kind of stuff. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. Um. So this is uh. This is something that I found out they do in my town. They do, like, apparently everybody just uh, absolutely loves the the Christian holiday of Jesus' birthday uh, in this town. And I'm going to be the, the only Grinch slash Scrooge around, because mm-hmm. it's a giant pain in the ass. Mm-hmm. Uh, because where the town's courthouse is, it's it's right next to the bank that... Uh, I have to take the deposit from work to there every day after work. Mm-hmm. And uh, they do like a big lighthouse or like light show on the courthouse. Like they light it up and play music and people sing songs about Jesus and his many cool gifts that he received from the Magi. Um, and... uh I couldn't get to the bank because there was a fucking horse and carriage in the way. Oh. Yeah. Not And not an Amish buggy either, because I would have understood that because I'm, you know, mm-hmm. in not Pennsylvania anymore, but still, you know, a hotbed of Amish activity. Correct. I can make fun of them. They don't listen to this. No, they don't believe um, in technology whatsoever. <laughs> Or violence, like I can't pick on them too much. They are a, a peaceful, noble people, um, that are <laughs> really jealous of our cars and uh, flying machines, and uh, being able to instantly pull up any piece of information that we desire. That's true. Um, but they've got their sticks and rocks and uh, beards, you know, and women covered up except for their faces. And yep. All that. Good runners, too. Fuck, can they run? Um, what was I talking about? Christmas. Yeah, I hate it. It's, uh, 
November 1st doesn't begin the Christmas season. Uh, I will recognize Christmas formally on December 20th, and I will stop caring about it on December 26th. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, if you don't catch me in that window, I will not wish you a Merry Christmas. All right, well then I know when our Christmas episode has to happen in order for you to care. <laughs> because we, uh, I feel like we, once again, have to do it this year. Uh, we we missed the boat by a whole a whole week uh, after Christmas ended, so I, I think we need to remedy the situation and make sure we do it during the uh, window of Caleb caring for Christmas. <sighs> Sounds like the name of a charity. Yeah, I mean, there's enough alliteration in there, and people think alliteration sounds cool, so they just go, "Eh, this is a charity now." What else? Uh, do you want to talk about Erection Day? Uh, not really. Uh, I feel like Not all really. the all the memes have have done it justice. Uh, I yeah. will I will say I'm glad Orange Man is now out of out of the White House. Uh, that man. Well, well, he will be in a few months. Well, but sh- sure. Uh, I, 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 we'll we'll see how much damage he can do in that time. Sure. Um, I I do desperately want to talk about this though. So, uh, he was out playing golf. You know, as as he does, as the Associated press uh announced that biden had won the election um but he tweeted out that they were going to hold a big uh press conference at the philadelphia four seasons Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, a short time later he clarified that it was not the hotel uh it is a small business called four seasons total landscaping because they booked the wrong fucking venue uh so they Giuliani did a fucking press conference in this tiny ass parking lot at a landscaping store, which is sandwiched between a crematorium and an adult bookstore called Fantasy Island. This is incredible. It is amazing, and I can't believe we're not talking about it more because this is real life Parks and Rec. <laughs> it's it's one of those things where you look at it and you're just like, I, you're the federal government. Like, you're a branch yeah. of the federal government. How are you not more competent than this? And I feel like that is a microcosm for how exactly I feel about the, the Trump administration as a whole. It's an allegory for the last four years, and it's it's perfect and elegant and beautiful. I agree. <laughs> I very much agree. So yeah. uh, there is that. That's all um, we're going to say. Uh, I don't want to get too much into it, but... If you voted for the other guy, well... I don't know. I'm not going to say sorry that your friend lost because um, I'm mad at you and uh, I won't forgive you until you look me in the eyes and explain to me why you think that some of my friends shouldn't be allowed to be alive. So fuck you. It's true. All right. So with that, it's time to talk about uh, some some Netflix and Swill stuff, a.k.a. Swill in What's Your Swill? Can we please get some alcohol into my mouth? He hates these cans. Stay away from the can! Caleb, what do you have? I'm, uh, getting back into some mixed drinks. There you go. So, the, uh, you you know, I believe that, like, alcohol that is, uh, $40 or more for a bottle should be drank straight. So, I I use dog shit liquor for mixing. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so I've I'm dipping into the old crow bourbon. Oh no. And uh the only mixer that I have is uh cranberry juice in the house right now. So it's kinda like a 
a broke ass Vegas bomb, kind of, I guess. I don't know. Sure. I don't actually know what goes in a Vegas bomb, so I'm just taking your word for it. If I'm if I'm remembering it correctly, or I might be conflating it with a different drink, but I believe it's uh Red Bull Cranberry and Crown. Hmm. Like I said, I'll take your word for it. I I, I don't or know anything. I might like I said, it's it's been a while since I was part of that scene. I might be confusing it with a different drink. Yeah, I've been part of that scene uh, since college. Don't don't at me. Uh okay, so I was at the grocery store, what, two days ago, and I saw something that caught my eye. Oh, I was thinking of a Royal Flush. Sure, I don't know. I- I've never heard of that drink before, so. A Royal a royal, fr- a royal Flush is a Crown Royal peach schnapps and cranberry juice. So it's like that. The Royal Sorry, Flush please continue from the Batman animated series and Batman Beyond. <laughs> yeah, oh fuck, I love Batman Beyond. That show's really good. Can't wait for the movie that it will never come out because they they just don't want money. Please make the Batman a Batman Beyond prequel. I, I mean, all you have to do is get Keaton in the role as Bruce uh, Wayne, and then it just it's over. Like that's all you need. Yeah. Still waiting on Into the Joker verse. Oh, dude, I can't wait for the next Joker movie, which is just going to be another <laughs> origin story. I'm yeah. telling you, that's what it's going to be. It's going to be very fascinating, yep. and I'm going to love it, because I thought the first Joker movie was pretty great. Well, I, we're we're getting off a tangent and getting farther and farther from what you were trying to tell me, but uh, yes. I, I do really want um them to keep do just like keep making new Joker origin movies that are unconnected to each other, because mm-hmm. like I said in our, uh, uh, when I talked about The Killing Joke, like, that's just kind of how Joker is. Like, he doesn't know the, the facts of it because he is crazy and can't remember. So, yeah, uh, just keep making new Joker origins. Yeah. And they're all canon because none of them are. Yeah, that's that's how you make that character interesting. By by just continually giving him random origin stories that don't make sense. Like, make, make Joaquin Phoenix a, a, a war veteran who has PTSD who slowly goes insane over in America. You know, it's fine. Uh, my drink is something, like I said, I went to the grocery store and something caught my eye in the beer aisle. Uh, it is a Yingling, but it's not just any Yingling. Uh, for, Ying, uh, for Yingling has partnered with Hershey, the chocolate makers. Uh, the, what the, the fuck? quote-unquote chocolate makers, uh, to create the Yingling Hershey's Chocolate Stout, or not Stout, Porter. It's a porter. <sighs> Why would Pennsylvania do this? So I'm in North Carolina, and they sent it down here. Uh, probably because the state is because uh, they wanted still to get red. rid of it. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, I bought it. It was uh, eight ninety nine. So I didn't see a problem with that. That's like slightly more expensive than regular Yingling. Uh, so you know, I'll, I'll take it for a six pack, whatever. And so I did it, and it tastes like Yingling. And somebody dumped a bunch of Hershey's chocolate, like melted chocolate, into the batch. Like it doesn't. It tastes like oh, those so two not separate like chocolate. It's it's not good. And I have five <laughs> more of these to drink. Big yikes! So, uh, if you find the Yingling Hershey's chocolate porter in your fucking beer store, don't 
Don't do it. It's not worth it. Yingling is fine. Hershey's chocolate is not good. Yes, I agree. These these are both correct facts. But I feel like it's because the Yingling Brewery is sort of close to Hershey, so they just went, "Hey, your brand is dying. Do you want to, yeah. you know, hop on board yeah, with us?" You, <laughs> your product is dog shit. Do you want to do a quick collabo? Uh, yeah. Don't don't buy this at all. Uh, I bought it for you, so you don't have to. And that's kind of like the whole point of our show is we watch things so you don't have to, uh, unless we tell you to. Uh, and and in this, I, I'm telling you not to drink this awful beer. Okay. Well, thanks for the PSA. You're welcome. And with that, it's time to get into some news that happened this week. Oh shit! It's mail time. Uh, so we had a few stories happen last week. Is there anything that you wanted to comment on before we moved on to this week's stuff? No, you guys. Uh, you guys did a great job covering it. There was a uh, one thing that I can't remember that I, I did have a comment on, but uh, I can't recall right now. Uh, Something to do with, uh, like, watch statistics. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, we'll get to watch statistics here in a minute. But I did want to save a, a piece of news for you, uh, because it was related to something you brought up uh, several weeks ago about us having Anim April. And uh, serendipitously, Netflix has announced and updated us on uh, 16 total New animated projects, five brand new, and uh, uh, 11 ones that have been announced, but we haven't received updates on. Uh, we got the teaser for Eden last week, but uh, we got other stuff such as uh, Rilakkuma's Theme Park Adventure, Therme Rome Nove, <laughs> High Rise Invasion, Thus Spoke Kabashi Rohan, The Way of the House Husband, Eden, Resident Evil Infinite Darkness, Vampire in the Garden, Yasuke, Godzilla Singular Point, Pacific Rim the Black, Transformers The War for Cybertron Trilogy, Trace, B the Beginning Succession, Baki Hanma, Spriggan, and that's it. They Spriggan Z-Deutsch, baby. <laughs> uh, did you read up on any of these, and do any of them sound interesting to you? Uh, not really. I'm I'm kind of just waiting on trailers, so... Uh, I do recommend you go check out the Eden trailer that uh, came out last week. I might have to just provide you okay. that link, but uh, it it's coming out in May, and they already gave us a trailer for it in what? Uh, I think then was October when they gave us the trailer was like, like October, so they must be really confident in it being a good thing. Okay. So Screen Engine slash ASI released the top thirty most watched SVOD. Uh, movies of 2020 in the U.S. Uh, that is streaming video on demand for the the layperson. Yeah. Uh, as I have just learned by extrapolating the information inside my brain. <laughs> uh, these stats are from a survey of 1,200 viewers aged 13 to 64 and are for the first seven days of release. It doesn't seem like a huge sample size. No. Uh, however... I guess this is relevant. I don't know. Um, the most watched thing when it came out was uh, Hamilton. That's which not surprising. It's not surprising at all. Uh, that show is a cultural juggernaut. Mm-hmm. Uh, and number two was uh, Borat, which I, I did get to watch last week. There you go. Uh, with a friend of mine. And uh, 
Not bad. Not bad. I, th- <laughs> who would have guessed the only, uh, the, like the quickest way for them to get me to stop making my wife references was to release another movie. <laughs> uh, it's true. Uh, so among the top five, uh, only extraction was, uh, there for Netflix at number four. Uh, and literally after that, at number six is Mulan. You, you'll all remember Mulan, the movie where you had to have yeah, both a Disney sakes. Plus subscription and pay them and $30. pay them thirty fucking dollars. And every Netflix original movie after Extraction is below Mulan. So I guarantee when some when everyone on Netflix saw this, they just were started fucking seething because I mean, yeah, it's, your marketing department sucks if you can't convince people to watch things that are technically for free and they don't have to pay an extra $30 to a full in their money or easily separated. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so among the Netflix originals, like I said, at number four was extraction at number seven was the old guard and number eight was the trial of the Chicago seven, uh, the lovebirds at 10 Rebecca at 11 project powers at 12 Enola Holmes at 13, uh, Defy Bloods at 16, Lost Girls at 19, Spencer Confidential at 21, The Devil All the Time at 22, Holiday, uh, which I'll be talking about in a little bit, at number 25, <laughs> and The Sleepover at number 30. What about Hubie Halloween? That is surprising that it's not on there. It kind of is. I feel like that was uh, everywhere for a minute. Yeah. I mean, it's an Adam Sandler movie. Like, they're probably going to reveal that, like, 900 million people watched it anyway. And you're like, well, fuck. I mean, this is why they just keep giving you money. I guess maybe people started finally speaking with their view, which is the only way you can really speak to Netflix is just yeah. stop watching things. But I guess we'll see. I I, I know some people are going to comment on the fact that, you know, it's like, oh, it's only, like, the first seven days. Uh, I feel like most movies do most of their business within the first week of release, so... I don't think seven days is that bad of a, a of a time period. I mean, look at uh, any movie that's ever been in a movie theater. Like, the, the opening is the biggest. Yes. Unless it's, like, a cultural juggernaut, like Titanic yeah. or something like or like Avatar. Um, which, I mean, sometimes things come back in vogue for uh, weird reasons. Like, for some reason... Party in the USA and uh, sync's Bye 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 are back on the charts for some reason. No, no idea. Also, that song that goes na 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 na. Hey, hey, hey! Goodbye. It's also got, uh, up on the charts for some reason. I'm, I, I, I couldn't tell you why. Yeah. Who knows? All right. Uh, the final piece of news is that Netflix is testing a linear channel, which they're calling Direct, in France. Uh, basically, this is like a regular television channel, which has you know 24 hours of programming. Uh, this channel is only available through their web browser, however. Uh, although, I don't know if that means it's potentially through the smart TV apps, because uh, apparently in with like some cable providers in France, you could get Netflix through them and it would be on your set-top set box. But there's no, like, channel okay. through them. So I don't know how that works in regards to their apps. But uh, what do you think about this uh, singular channel for Netflix to, you know, put content on? I didn't really know what to think of it because I, I didn't really understand the wording of uh, 
what what a linear channel was, but oh, well. I don't know. It's interesting. I guess they're they can test out new markets if they want to. They're never going to know if there's a market for it unless they do it. So yeah. they were talking about it in the uh, the Variety article, basically saying like, we know some people don't like the ability to choose things. Like they feel like there's too much to choose. So. If, if you just throw on this channel, it'll give you things to watch, and you can choose whether or not to watch it. Maybe you'll find something you actually do like amongst that. Uh, mm-hmm. I I do think there's some value in this. Uh, whether or not it'll leave France, I don't know. But I'll be interested if it does, because I'd like to see how they decide programming and where it goes on what, like, during what time. Yeah, that's it for news. Uh, let's talk about some trailers over in Downstream. Baby, I can't control the internet. That's my favorite line! I'm so worn out with doing this horribly bloated 20-minute long segment. What? What? Sorry, our our producers over in the newsroom are telling me there's only two trailers this week. Yeah. I uh, Believe me, you're not the only one who hates how long the segment was over the last two <laughs> weeks, because Ashley screamed at me saying, why did you review eight trailers last week? And I said, no, 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 it was, it, well, let's not forget, it was eight trailers last week and 11 the week before. Yeah, and I wanted to murder you. Murder Netflix, they need to space this shit out better. Imagine if it was like four or five trailers this week and, and every other week. I just think we need to be choosy on which ones we actually do. That's what Ashley says. So you guys agree, and I'm holding fast. Sure, whatever. Arguably, like, neither of these trailers uh, are things that we needed to talk about. The first one is called Over Christmas, and it is a German series about a guy who's over Christmas, Mm -hmm. unlucky at cards, and then also unlucky in love. For Basti, things get really tough in the festive season. His career as a musician is not crowned with success, and the prospect of having to celebrate a rather depressing Christmas after separating from his girlfriend, Fine, uh, or Fine, I don't know. <laughs> I'm guessing it's a, a more European pronunciation. Uh, it pulls the general mood down even more. A visit over the holidays to meet his family promises a welcome distraction, but when his brother Niklas suddenly appears with ex Fine at his side, Basti even loses the last bit of hope for a happy future. Uh, and then the end of the movie is he kills himself. <laughs> Probably not. Um, what did you think of Over Christmas? Uh, it looks like it could be fine, but I looked at it and I just went, wait, this is a series? How? How is this a series? This is a two-hour movie yeah. at best. What are you doing? Don't know. Of course, it's a European series. For all we know, it's like four 30-minute episodes, and then that's the series. In which case, it is a thir- it is a fucking two-hour movie. In which case, it-, it might be fine then. So I will probably not watch this. You say that now. Uh, the next... <laughs> you just wait till Vanessa is like, oh, I started watching this over Christmas thing. It's in German. It's really interesting. Yeah. I don't know. I I feel like she... Just, I don't know. I, I don't think she has a, a problem with it. I just feel like a lot of foreign uh, shows and movies aren't really in her wheelhouse. Like she just, like it just doesn't show up on her uh, radar for one reason or another. So, mm-hmm. not that I watch a, a whole lot. Um, the next trailer is for Bridgerton. The social season is upon us. 
Bridgerton from Shondaland premieres December 25th, only on Netflix. Uh, this is about uh, old-timey socialites, and somebody publishes a gossip rag about all the uh, scandalous shit that people are doing and trying to keep hidden. Yep. Uh, it's a movie. What did you think? Uh, it looks okay. I like. I really like the production design on it. Like, it looks, it looks almost like Baz Luhrmann-y in kind of like an over the top way. Uh, like, yeah. So I kind of appreciate it from that aspect. What did you think? Uh, it looks well produced. I don't know. What do you want from me? I don't know. Uh, the notable th- thing about this is that this is uh, Shonda Rhimes' first Netflix original that she's produced for the company since uh, they signed her to her. Uh, a nine-digit deal, uh, I believe, which was also around a hundred million dollars. So, uh, it's nice for her to finally have something coming out. Mm-hmm. That's that's it. Like, like that's, I don't know. Uh, I I feel like these these multi-million-dollar deals that Netflix is signing with you know production companies and teams aren't really panning out. Like, what have we gotten from uh, Game of Thrones jerk-offs since they signed their deal? Nothing. Nothing. Ryan Murphy is the only one producing anything, and he's a hack, so. (laughs) Well, all right. (laughs) All right, that'll move us over into our next segment, which is Quick Hits, where we talk about some things that we watched this week. And I basically started uh, The Blood of Zeus. Uh, I'm only through two episodes. Basically, it's about how Zeus fucks around. Uh, In case you were unfamiliar with Greek mythology, Zeus fucks around a lot. Like, a lot of demigods are all Zeus's children. Yeah. Uh, If you were a woman in ancient Greece, uh, you got dicked down by Zeus. 100% of the time. Uh, Your husband? Definitely Zeus. That that guy you had sex with uh, during One Night of Passion? Zeus. Not even a question. Uh, so this is about uh, Heron, who is the, the blood of Zeus, uh, who... Uh, I'm not even really like, all that far into it, but basically, like, there's giants that uh, the gods fought, and then after the titans, the titans. curse the earth. Uh, well, no, yeah. the, the titans oh, curse the earth. okay. And then they created the giants, and then the giants started to fight the gods, and then after the gods killed all the giants, uh, they buried the giants at sea. And then uh, a giant has washed ashore and basically created a cult where people eat eat, like the flesh of the giant in order to gain demonic powers. Oh, so it's Attack on Titan. I mean, yeah, if you want to get into the super spoilers (laughs) of Attack on Titan, you can. (laughs) I don't know. I thought everybody knew that by now. If you didn't know that art by now about Attack on Titan, you didn't care about it. That's true. Refresh me, because it's been a little while since I've read up on my Greek mythology. Um, the Titans predate the gods, correct? Like, they were the first... That sounds right. Yeah, because like, I'm thinking of it, and like, like I've, the Titan Kronos... I feel like the Titans, the Titans kind of, like basically created the world. Yes. And then, like, but they were bad. And then the gods, like, trapped them all in the underworld, I want to say. They, they trapped them in something. I don't... Uh, actually, it might have been Pandora's box. 
Was it Pandora's box? I thought Pandora's box was like uh, an even the apple type situation. Like it contained the the knowledge of evil and like all evil things in the world. But it was just so tempting that like it inevitably was going to get out. Oh, see, I, hmm, I I might be wrong. It's been a while since I've watched Kevin Sorbo's Adventures of Hercules, which was where I learned <laughs> all of my Greek mythology from. Uh, that show was act- su- surprisingly educational for me and uh, very much interested me in how Greek mythology worked. Yeah. Also, Kevin Sorbo. Wah, wah, wah. Auga, auga. <clears throat> I guess. I don't know. Uh, so this is by the same production studio as who did uh, the Castlevania series, which is why the art style looks exactly the same. And I appreciate that because it's also very brutal, like Castlevania is. So, but that said, like there's still some problems with it. Like it still doesn't run very well. Like it looks very much like Castlevania season one, where it's like kind of, I don't say rushed, but it looks very cheap. In, like, how it, its framiness with action goes sometimes. It also has, like, the, the trope of, like, hey, we have this big sweeping city shot, but no one's moving except for the people who are important in the shot. So mm-hmm. th- those are my favorite things in animation. Uh, there's also, like, missing sound work. There, there, there's, like, certain things that should be making sounds that aren't. And I'm like, wait, what? Oh, no. So uh, it's it's fine for now. I'm going to keep watching it because, like I said, I only watched two episodes. I want to at least finish the first season because with this 2D art style, I want to continue to support it because I want them to keep drawing in this style because I can't fucking stand the 3D animation. And we'll get to that later when we talk about a Patreon request or review from somebody where the movie's entirely animated in 3D, and I'm probably going to fucking hate it for that aspect, but it is what it is. Oh, no. Um, That's neat. The uh, next thing I watched was the original Mad Max. This has been on Netflix for a while, and I wanted to check it out. And uh, I've never seen it before. I've only ever seen Mad Max Fury Road, so I didn't really... So I expected a lot of, like, what Fury Road was-ish. Yeah. But, um... No? I... I know of, like, plot beats and stuff from the original Mad Max, but uh, I don't know that I've seen this one. I was a big fan of The Road Warrior. Mm-hmm. Um, I was fine with Beyond Thunderdome up to and including when they were at Thunderdome. They shouldn't have gone beyond Thunderdome. But <laughs> um, but tell me about this, because uh, I, I don't think I've seen it in its entirety. And from what I know, like... It's pre-nuclear fallout, right? Yeah, and that's or kind like of, during it. Uh, it's it's not so like I said, it's not what I expected because I expected nuclear fallout, and yeah, I guess it is pre-nuclear fallout. But like, it's like they claim it's post-apocalyptic, but it's like so there's still a form of society. So I don't know how post-apocalyptic it is. Like basically, like, I mean, like there there are dudes who just like run around on like cars and motorcycles yeah. and. Uh, There's a form of society in Fury Road. (laughs) I guess that's true. But, like, it doesn't look, like, desolate or anything. It looks like... It looks like Australia, honestly. Like, it it looks like they went out into Australia, shot in Australia, and they're, like... It doesn't look like they cobbled anything together. Like, it doesn't look like it's Fallout or anything. Like, that's the post-apocalypse that I know, is, like, things are destroyed, and therefore society needs to rebuild. 
and this is just like, hey, nothing's been destroyed and society is broken down into uh, a more base level where like dudes roll around and just fuck things up on like motorcycles and shit. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so you have Max, Max Rokitansky, who is a, a pursuer in uh, this law enforcement group, I guess, who just like rolls around and fucks up people. And I don't know. I don't know what I was expecting, but it wasn't this. So that like really colored my expectations on it. I was kind of bored through most of it. Cause it was just like, I don't understand what's happening. I mean, we uh, we get the eventual plot point of, you know, Max's wife and child are murdered, and therefore Max goes off on a rampage. However, it mm-hmm. only ends with him killing one of the people who killed his family. Uh, and once he kills that one person, the movie ends, and it's like, but wait, there's like four more people that you need to kill. What's going on here? Wait, Charles Bronson, come into this movie and show this man how to avenge his family. Oh, yeah. Well, they left some of them alive, so I'm thinking sequel, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Uh, what was Road Warrior? Uh, Road Warrior is kind of unrelated. It's like uh, he like it's it's after Apocalypse. Uh, oh. Max is just kind of like a roving a roaming drifter, and uh, it's it's kind of like Fury Road. Like the the strength of the series is that like it's not about Max. Mm-hmm. Like, he is a vehicle, no pun intended, to, like, get you into stories that are happening in this post-apocalyptic world. Right. Uh, so, basically, there's uh, a group, like, a a gang made of, like, um, leather daddies called the Humongous, mm-hmm. who are trying to uh, kill all these people that are basically hold up at an old refinery because they're trying to get in and take the gas. Um, and Max is trying to uh, help them basically fill a tanker with the gas and get the fuck out without being killed. Mm-hmm. Um, it's neat. It's it's the best non-Fury Road Mad Max movie, so you should check it out. Huh. So... Basically, this gang that Max that killed Max's family is apparently never resolved. Then, probably not, or just like the wasteland deals with them or whatever. They probably mention it in the Road Warrior, but like I didn't get it because it wasn't in context for me. Right. So, so that's a really weird thing. Uh, so whatever. I mean, it it is what it is. Uh. I'll never go back to watch Mad Max. Uh, it just, for lack of a better word, it wasn't my speed. Yeah, that's fair. And then uh, finally, I watched Holidate. Oof. Uh, you're, you're going to ask Dan, why did you watch Holidate? Well, uh, pay attention to the day after this episode comes out because I will be doing. I will have done a movie reviews and twenty cues episode with Sam Hurley and the Bubby about Holidate. Uh, and you can hear all of my thoughts there. Uh, I won't give anything away now, but just know that I watched it, and I don't know why. Even even if even though it was for a podcast, I don't know why I watched it. Uh, what did you watch? Uh, I watched Secrets of the Saqqara Tomb. Uh, this was about the excavation of an Egyptian tomb that remained untouched for 4,400 years. Um, I didn't know this. Apparently, like, 
uh egyptologists the only people that are allowed to like excavate egyptian tombs are uh egyptians like they put an end to like basically colonialism under the guise of uh academic uh inquiry Mm -hmm. so like the government funds it and like basically uh they have like their excavation season runs up to the beginning of the month of ramadan so that's like when they'll decide next year's budget so like if they don't get money earmarked for it uh they won't be digging in the next season right right so they have to like try to find something impressive enough uh so that like the the bean counters in the government will uh want to fund their next year's expedition um the story of the tomb itself that they're excavating is really fascinating it was uh a priest named Watye uh which caused me to make many jokes about him now being just some mummy that I used to know um but like as they kind of piece it together, they like the the tomb itself is like really well preserved and mm-hmm. like you know all the all the paint's still there and everything after forty four hundred years it's amazing, but they kind of figure out that uh it was originally meant to be his brothers, and that Watye kind of stole it from him, oh, and like chiseled over some of the hieroglyphs and shit on the walls and like. Uh, just as they go through and and discover more and more as they excavate the the burial chambers and things within the tomb, it's uh it's fascinating to kind of see how the story unfolds and how uh they learn more of this this individual's uh his tale and how he died and um they figured out like based on like studying the bones and stuff and like some of the bones had weird growths and disfigurements and stuff mm-hmm. um they figured out he may have been uh the first documented death due to malaria uh which would have beaten like the last like previously known earliest case of malaria by like a thousand years so that's pretty oh, wow. fascinating Um, I highly, highly recommend this. It is awesome to watch. Like it's, it, it was so interesting. Hmm. Okay. Um, I would give it like a four. Damn. That's high praise. Especially for a documentary. It's it's about two hours. So, um, two hours. I don't know. Uh, and I also watched a whole bunch of Dave Chappelle stuff, but I've, talked about all of that on the show before so yeah uh Chappelle show just hit netflix so uh that's yeah. a good reason to watch Chappelle shit they ask why are you so mean to the customer all the time why because fuck them that's, that's why. why oh that's a great one pop copy with michael rapaport um yeah that's it cool so with uh All that stuff out of the way, it's time to get into a break, and when we come back from said break, we will talk about our main review topic for the week, Over the Moon, uh, a new animated Netflix movie. The Netflix and Swill podcast is brought to you by our patrons, Gerald Morris, Bill Sutton, Nick Haskins, Ashley the Bubby Gorski, Ben Kiefer, Paul Prezula, 
Daniel Henderson, Julio Oliveira, Jimmy De La Rosa, Chris Yaney, Brianna Petty, Justin Esquivel, Nate Wade, Alan Gallarisi, Duty Dutram, and Dan's mom. If you would like to become a patron of the show, find us at netflixandswill.com slash Patreon. Buy some shit. Visit netflixandswill.com slash merch. Leave a review and tell me how good I'm getting at public speaking. Visit netflixandswill.com slash Apple Podcasts. Thanks for letting us live our dreams of being professional idiots. We now return you to your regularly scheduled banter. Welcome back, everybody. Caleb, it's time to get into our main review topic for the week. Over the Moon! Over the Moon is a 2020 animated adventure comedy film from Netflix. Uh, it is PG-rated, clocks in at an hour and 35 minutes. In this animated musical, a girl builds a rocket ship and blasts off, hoping to meet a mythical moon goddess. Um, this is a 6.6 out of 10 on IMDb. And it's a kid's movie, so I just will pass it over to you, I suppose. Uh, what did you think of Over the Moon? Everybody say it with me. It's fine. It's it's a kid's movie. I don't think it's a particularly good kid's movie. Like, it's... Uh, I think the notable thing about it is that it's, uh, I believe, written, directed, and voiced by um, predominantly Asian actors and writers mm-hmm. and directors and that's that's interesting but uh aside from that i think the script is particularly uh not good the songs are bad and that's it uh it the, the animation's nice i i do like the animation in a lot of spots especially uh a certain segment that uh, happens on the moon but otherwise uh, it's it's an ultimately forgettable children's movie i mean i agree most Mostly. Um, I think this movie is successful. Uh, I think it's it's good for, you know, what it does. Um, it's a story about Chinese mythology and Chinese people told uh, with a Chinese voice mm-hmm. behind it. So uh, it's successful in that regard. And, you know, it's nice to see something that's not like, I mean, I... I like the the animated Mulan, but like uh, Mulan, like either one where it's just like uh, white people misunderstanding cultures and making movies about it. We've never done that before. (laughs) No, uh, Pocahontas was fine and not problematic at all. Especially considering John Smith was uh, Mel Gibson. Yeah. Yeah. Aged like a fine milk. I don't know. I liked it. It's uh, it's endearing. It's not great. Yeah, that's yeah, that's pretty much it. Is it's it's not. But well, like I said, it's not memorable. Like uh, I remember certain parts of it, but like I don't know. It's a children's movie, and typically when you have children's movie, anytime like a song happens, like. You're expecting something fun or lively or something that moves the movie along, and I feel like every time a song came on screen, with the exception of, uh, again, when they arrive at the moon, uh, it, every song just kind of bogged the movie down to a screeching halt. It was like, oh, we have to do this song now because it's a children's movie and children can't <laughs> deal without songs. Yeah, I, uh, I feel like um, 
they decided they wanted to have it be a musical and kind of wrote the movie backwards from there. Yeah. Uh, what did you think of the voice cast? Did the voice cast do it for you? Are you particularly impressed by them? Yeah, I mean they were all they were all good. Um, I don't know. Like we we spend the most time with Fei Fei, um, voiced by Kathy Ang. So, um, which is fine. Uh, John Cho was her dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like him. He's a uh, Harold of Harold and Kumar. <laughs> yeah, right. Which is interesting, I guess. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's I don't really have anything uh, particular to say about the the cast. Sure. Yeah, it, I mean that's that was the one name that I knew was was John Cho. So I I think he's using his platform as of now to like help elevate other Asian voices, and I think that's pretty great. It's a pretty good thing for for him to do. Uh, but uh, I don't know. I just feel like there's a lot of contrivances with the script, and this is me as an adult. I I don't know. I, if if I was a parent who watched this with their kid, maybe they'd love it. Like I I think maybe like. Gerald and his son are probably better to talk about this than us from that kind of an aspect. Cause like it, we're not the target audience here for this movie at all. No, no, not at all. And, uh, I mean, it follows little kid logic, but I think, uh, I think that what this movie does right is, uh, for one tells us Chinese story with a Chinese voice and it's made by Chinese people. Mm-hmm. Um, and also like, we'll, we'll talk, story beats here in a little bit but um i think that this movie is potentially very useful in giving uh young children language to express their loss uh because mm-hmm. fei has lost a parent and uh rather than you know rather than consider what she could gain by you know letting her family grow once again like she's just kind of stuck where she's at and, you know, fighting against uh, new people coming into her family. So, yeah. Um, So, like I said, in, in that avenue, like, this movie's wildly successful. Like, I, I feel like there probably are a lot of children out there that need a movie like this. Yeah. Yeah, I think that underlying theme that you were talking about of, of loss and how to talk about that as a kid especially and like what it means when a different like a a new situation comes into your life that that will uh that they they probably you're probably right they probably do need something like this i mean of course i don't connect with that at all because both of my parents are still alive uh and have been together my entire life so i don't connect with it on that kind of level but uh for people who have that issue uh, I'm sure they need to see something like this. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, do you want to do ratings and then uh, jump into story discussion? Sure. Uh, I'm giving this, uh, and it's fine, a three out of five. Oh, I was also going to give it three out of five. There I was is. expecting you to go two and a half. Nah, it's not bad. I don't think it's bad. Like it's, uh, I think the animation carries a lot of it, but... I think the story is subpar. Well, the okay. the story idea is good. I think the story execution is subpar. All right, fair enough. 
Uh, and with that, we will get into story spoilers. So if you would like to not be uh, spoiled by the story, uh, skip ahead to where we talk about uh, a fall from grace, if you dare. <laughs> Let me just play the ending for you. No, no, I don't want to see how it ends. Okay, I could describe it. Um, imagine you're in a room. No, no, like... no, 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 I don't want to know how it ends. I haven't seen the beginning. Uh, yeah, but the ending is awesome. So if I could just Son play the... bitch, this is what you always do. You always spoil stuff uh, for me. No, I don't. And if I could just play the ending for you real quick, then we'll discuss that. Motherfucker, you always spoil everything before I get a chance okay, to see it. Okay, you sound like a crazy person right now. We want to talk about the, the, the story. So, I mean, obviously her, her dad wants to get remarried and uh, never f- fucking speaks to her about it. Yeah. Uh even before that though, like um like I said, this this movie kind of gives children the language to experience loss, but like uh it like it shows her with uh both of her parents when she's very young and her mother tells her the the legend of Chang'a, the um the woman who like she took an immortality pill and floated away to the moon and became a, a moon goddess. Mm-hmm. And she's waiting for her her one true love to come back and meet her there. Um. So right off the bat, like she's a little girl who um believes in that sort of thing, like a, your one true love, and that's it, and that's the the absolute end all be all of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and. As it goes through this sort of like brief setup, couple scenes of her with her mother, um, you notice like the the mother's looking a little bit more pale, and then like she's walking with a cane, and like it it doesn't really tell you outright. It doesn't dwell on that, but it's like it's like how a little kid would you know process that. Like it's it's a little bit different, but you know we're all together, and it's just you know how it is and we're mm-hmm. not going to we're not going to worry too much about it cuz we don't understand it you know which uh i don't know i thought that was a a good way to tell that bit of the story and it reminded me of up how it basically got through yeah, like, the central yeah. motivation for what the character the main character is doing out of the way in like the first 5ish minutes i don't think it's as powerful as up but it does uh, it's of similar effect and as to like okay we know that she uh, is fond of this goddess uh she like really loves the story of this goddess and her mom has died and that's causing her to kind of rebel against the fact that you know uh wanting to keep everything the same for her like how it used to be and how uh she feels her dad is forgetting her mom even though that's not how that works when it comes to uh joining a new relationship yeah but again, she's a child and doesn't understand that. Mm-hmm. But so yeah, she's uh, she's growing up, and you know, dad's alone, and you know, they're still super close. And uh, then one day, he brings home uh, another woman and says, "Hey, we're uh, this is this is a thing now," and uh, she wants to make the. Their family's traditional mooncakes using different fruit, and uh, Fei Fei's not having it. Nope. And, uh, yeah. I mean, if I had a traditional food and someone tried to bring in a different fruit, I would have, I would have uh, probably beaten that person to death. Because I don't need that in my life. <laughs> don't complicate my shit. Yeah. 
Says the guy whose girlfriend made lasagna with cottage cheese. Oh my god. It's a wonder she's still alive. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. This is probably some wild shit to say, but I think that my favorite character in the movie is uh, Bungie, which is her pet rabbit. No, that's not wild to say. That That is probably the correct answer. I don't know, because uh, I own a pet rabbit, and uh, every now and then the rabbit would just do some kind of funny antic and just be super cute. Yeah. And uh, that's all I really needed the, the animal sidekick character to do. It's kind of like... Uh, Kind of like the chicken in Moana or something. Like, it's just used for brief moments of comic relief. Yeah. And that's all I needed. So I think my biggest story problem with this movie is the fact that we are supposed to have Fei-Fei go through this revelation that she, you know, she could use a new family. Like, she needs a different situation. And, you know, life throws at you different things and you kind of need to accept it and move on, which is the big thing with this movie. But... So she has, like, a stepbrother, or eventual stepbrother, Chin, and mm-hmm. for half of the movie, they are not on screen together because she has gone off to find this quote-unquote gift uh, that uh, Chang'e needs in order to bring back Ho-Yi, and Chin is mm-hmm. locked away in the Moon Palace, and I just feel like there was no reason for there to be Gobi, which is the space dog thing. In the movie. Yeah. And it should have just been her and Chin bonding through Going shared to do experiences. The adventure, yeah. And that way she learns, like, oh, I have a new family. It's you, Chin. Like, you and your mom can be my new family. As opposed to, you know, being like, oh, I have Gobi here and I, I guess he's the thing, but. I don't understand why Gobi exists. Because, like, because Chang'a already has her own pet. She has the Jade Rabbit. Yeah. So, like, we we didn't need Gobi. Like, I appreciate that it's Ken Jeong, but, uh, yeah, I I don't know. Just have him be the Jade Rabbit. Yeah, just have, yeah. Have like, Jen, who, yeah. who did the voice the Jade of the Rabbit? The Jade Rabbit doesn't fucking say anything the whole, the whole movie. You can't make that just Ken no, Jeong? Yeah. yeah, I was going to say, I don't think the Jade Rabbit had any lines. He just would look nervous from time to time. Yeah, because he couldn't complete the potion. Yeah, I didn't understand that, really. I like, uh, so basically, like, this movie's split into three acts, as most movies commonly are. So there's, like, <laughs> yes, um, she's trying to keep her family as it is, uh, while, like, these new, like, perceived invaders are coming in and becoming a part of her life. Uh, then act two is uh, she's learning science and assembling a rocket ship and trying to make her way to the moon so that she can uh, prove that Chang'e is real to her father to mm-hmm. prove that, you know, true love is real and that that's all you need. And uh, if you get remarried, you're a piece of shit. So that's act two. And at the end of act two, she, she flies off in a rocket ship and, uh, it, it doesn't make it because it's a fucking little kid rocket. Uh, and that's where we get the the twist that ch- shifts the paradigm of the movie and leads us into the third act, which is uh, the introduction of magic. So it does like a like it's a movie about a young girl learning science and like she's good at school and math and um, 
So, you know, so it's, I mean, that's a, that's another cool thing is, uh, it's a movie about a girl who's interested in STEM, which is important also. Yes. It, the focus shifts away from, uh, her newfound mastery of technology and just goes like hard in the paint into, uh, Chinese mythology as they're, uh, spirited away by a pair of space dogs or not the space dogs, the, uh, space lions, like the guardian lions. Yeah. Yeah. Because I forgot the space dog is already a thing in the movie. So what did what did you think about that shift as a, as a plot device, I guess? I don't know. I actually feel like more, that's more like the shift happens in Act 2. That's, but that's just my opinion because it's like uh, we, we have to get like Chang'e to actually be real. And it, to mm-hmm. to a degree, or else uh, there's not a movie, right? It's just like, oh, this girl's disappointed and broken, and therefore, you know, she has like, we, this we just, girl missed her mom, so she blew herself up. Yeah, like that's <laughs> yeah, that's the R-rated version of this movie. Uh, the, that's not the kid-friendly version of this movie. So, uh, you know, it it has to. So, I I kind of expected something to happen. I didn't know what. Uh, I. It is weird that she was basically able to solve how to uh, basically hit the upper atmosphere as a child. So, I mean, uh, good luck in the Chinese space program that you're inevitably going to get into because you did it. Yeah. <laughs> you cracked the code. Um, I don't know how much, like, we we can only really review, like, what we saw on screen, but, like, what do you think their intent was? Like, how much of that do you think was literally meant to be real, and how much was, like, meant to be little kid flights of fancy? Oh, I think all of it is. I think, like, yeah. the other thing was, they they talk about Maglev, and I remember Maglev from, like, 2005, uh, hearing about Maglev for the first time. So, like, she's like, oh, are you familiar with Maglev? And, and, and they're like, the guys who are working on the Maglev are like, I mean, yeah, and they're like, no, and I'm like, but I know about Maglev. Uh, I was like, oh, so this this concept that oh, like only like four people have ever fucking heard of, apparently, because uh, I try to bring it up to other people, and they're just like, I've never heard of this thing. Uh, she she's inspired by this to help because like it's frictionless, so therefore like mm-hmm. her like space shuttle she gets to the better moon, uh, better power to lift off. Yeah, yeah, her space shuttle to the moon is able to uh, take off using frictionless a bit like things, which like okay, fine. Uh, I understand how they flipped the 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 uh, how they took actual science and went all right. How can we take actual science and bullshit this enough into she's able to hit the upper atmosphere with a rocket ship that's powered by fireworks? <laughs> um, like I said, a, a lot of the movie functions on little kid logic, but mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, man. It's, it's fucking ten. What do you want? <laughs> uh, mono means one, and rail means rail. Monorail. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know uh, how much else to really talk about. Like, I whenever mean, let's be clear. Whenever they make it to the moon, like there's a a moon city, and mm-hmm. like you eventually find out that like all of the the moon people are like basically when Changa cries because she misses Huye, like her tears become the little moon people, mm-hmm. which is interesting. But like. In realizing that, Fei Fei is like, you know, you you 
aren't alone and you haven't been alone this whole time. Like you need to yeah to move on and kind of learn how to do that herself. But she, I, I love the actual physical representation of depression that this movie has. It's just like there's a sealed yeah. box and, and like Fei is only able to get into the box because she's also depressed. And she's like, oh, you're depressed. Well, now I'm depressed. And now <laughs> so they're really only able to get each other out of depression. And that's kind of what depression really is, is like you have to work at it yourself. Like you can't mm-hmm. really rely on others to get out of it. So like I appreciated that. Like I, I really like that part of it. But uh, I uh, I like the aesthetic of the Moon City. Um. Just bright and colorful and reminded me of like the like from the Lego movie where they go to like the Cloud City or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, I don't know. It's just a, it's a cute movie and it teaches us about life and good things and there's a cute rabbit, so Yeah. It's colorful, it's it it has a, a, a message. Uh, it doesn't matter how like how how we get to the message, but we have a message, and it's for children. So yeah. uh, you hit all the hallmarks of a decent children's movie. And then, for no apparent reason, uh, Changa is a K-pop diva, kind of. I like that sequence. I thought that was like really weird and like out of <laughs> out, like out of left field. But I was like, this somehow fits with the aesthetic of the movie, and I don't know how, yeah. but it it just does. Yeah, I don't know. I'm uh I'm struggling to find more things to talk about, yeah. so I'm I'm ready to put a pin in this. I am as well. So with that, it is time to cut into another quick break. And when we come back from said break, uh we'll be here to talk about a dick pic. Uh from a dick. Do you piss green after you've eaten vitamins? We certainly do, and therefore you should listen to the Countdown Movie and TV Reviews podcast. Even if you don't piss green, this is something I think you guys will like if you like TV and you like movies. We count down lists associated with both, as well as offer the occasional review and a number of segments that are random in nature for your enjoyment. Check out the Countdown Movie and TV Reviews on iTunes, Podomatic, or your favorite podcast app. Welcome back, everybody. Caleb, it is time to get into a dick pic for the week. So, we're just done with phrasing, right? Jesus, look at that black cock. That's right. Uh, this is from our good friend, Nick. Um, not much longer. Yeah, not anymore. Uh, it's a fall from grace, which uh, came from the word respect that we searched on Netflix and found, for some reason, a mm-hmm. fall from grace. Uh, a drama thriller movie from Tyler Perry, written and directed. Uh, disheartened since her ex-husband's affair, Grace Waters feels restored by a new romance. But when secrets erode her short-lived joy, Grace's vulnerable side turns violent. Uh-huh. Uh... This movie's bad. It's a very yes. bad movie. Yes. It got worse as it went on. Like, I, yeah. like... I I grew more angry at Nick as, as the movie progressed. Uh, first and foremost, it's <laughs> two hours long. Yeah, for some yeah, reason, real long. I I don't I don't get that at all. I don't understand why it's why it's two hours, but it's two hours. Uh, and that's part of the problem with it is that it's not 
brief in any way, shape, or form. And also, like, everything has to, like, come clean and connect well. And I there, there's certain plot contrivances that happen, and I'm just like, wait, how did you not put two and two together that there were issues? Uh, considering a one character. I don't know why I'm being spoilery. Uh, so, uh, spoilers for A Fall from Grace. If you want to watch this, uh, don't. But it, uh, leave now if you'd like to watch. So, uh, our opening scene is an old woman who is apparently going to kill herself uh, because she's standing on the edge of a house uh, and is ready to jump off. I'd like to point out this fall would kill nobody. Not even a very, very old woman, because it's maybe two <laughs> stories. Uh, that's another great joke from Borat's subsequent movie film. Is uh, They're talking about how like the first Borat movie fucked up the Kazakhstan's reputation so much. So much. And uh, it's like, the, our businessmen leapt from the top of our tallest skyscrapers. And it's a guy jumping out of a, 20, uh, a second story window. Yeah, and then he just gets up and walks away. It's like that, uh, except for the woman is very old, so she might twist an ankle. So right, right, right. But she she'd be hurt, sure, but she dies apparently. I mean, I mean, to play devil's advocate, uh fifty percent of falls that are over thirty feet are fatal. Sure. Sh- sh- whatever. Uh regardless, this woman dies, and uh, our main character is uh, a public defender who is married to or in a relationship with a cop. Uh, The cop who answered the suicide call and watched the old woman die in front of him. Uh, Mm -hmm. Through their powers combined, they never put two and two together that Sarah Miller, the the person who owned the house where the old woman killed herself, is also (laughs) uh, the friend of the, the person on trial. And I feel like a lot of things could have been expedited if they, you it's, know, uh, <laughs> just thought for a second. It's that uh, that very good Tyler Perry attention to detail. So yeah, basically the the short version of the story here is uh, Grace, who is, uh, let's say, her confidence is shaken because her uh, she's broken up with her ex husband mm-hmm. uh, who had an affair. Mm-hmm. She feels like she'll never find love again. Mm-hmm. Um, a younger man shows an interest in her. Uh, they have a a whirlwind romance and uh, get married quickly because she just jumps right into it because he makes her feel special. Yep. And then, uh, you know, she loses her job because a bunch of money goes missing from her job. Uh, then, like, she's going to lose her house because... There's a mortgage on her house, which she had paid off four years ago, suddenly, and uh, she's like, well, what the fuck? What's what's happening? My identity's been stolen. Well, we know we know who stole her identity, because it's one of the other two characters that are in the movie, <laughs> uh, in that, in yes. the background story. But, here's the most important part, Caleb. That doesn't even start the movie. Like, if, if if this was... If that's how the movie started, or if the movie started like this, where, uh, as opposed to them taking 20 minutes to even get to Grace's story in the first place, if they just went, hey, you gotta go get this plea deal from this woman who killed her husband. 
uh, and just shoved it at Jasmine and just went, learn it on the, on the way. And then she starts asking questions in the interview room. Uh, so we actually get the story more quickly than the way we got it, which is uh, dragged out throughout the entire fucking movie for no reason. Uh, I would have yeah. been more sympathetic to the time this movie took. So I had a I had a pretty good joke going back to like um, when the the old lady jumped off the building in the beginning of the movie and um, died. Like <laughs> I had a pretty good joke when I was watching that scene with my wife. My uh, wife. My wife. So it it looked like, I mean, it did look like it was second, maybe third story, because it looked like she was standing on like a little rounded porch roof deal, mm-hmm. like outside of a bedroom window. And then like when the cop failed to talk her down and she she fell and died, um, referencing the title of the movie, I said, huh, I didn't know that part of the house was called a grace. Because... Because she fell from it. Yeah, no, that's a good one. I like it. I like it. Great. That's she passed that's about away the... thirty years ago. <laughs> it's about the uh, level of comedic stylings this movie deserves. That is a hundred percent correct. Obviously, it's the it's the husband who is the bad person. Um, yes, they attempt to do a twist because it's, her friend is also the bad person. Because uh, it's. Like, her and the guy she married are, like, professional con artists Uh who, like, con all these women out of their money and, like, um, then apparently lock them up in the basement and keep them there forever? Yes. For some reason? To, uh, To collect their social security checks. Oh, God. Okay. That's that's how I understood the uh the entire thing. Huh. I I do like the twist of it being the uh the friend. Like I, I did not see that coming, so I, I I did appreciate it from from that level, but yeah. uh so there was like at least a little subtlety cuz like it's very obvious that it's it's the husband uh, once everything starts going missing, it's it's very clear what happened and why she murdered her husband because he stole from her. Even though, like, it's also it very clear. It turns out that... she didn't murder him. Well, that, I was That's like, oh. That's the big spoiler. Well, yeah, her not murdering him was weird because I was like, wait, she, like, beat him in the face a million times with a fucking baseball bat. Although, when you watch that actual scene, she's, like, barely flailing the bat in the first place. You're like... Yeah, I can understand how he survived. Yeah, he's bloodied and knocked out, but not uh not deceased. So And then like when he does show up later, his he's got a, a comical bandage <laughs> wrapped around his head. Yes. Uh, if you've ever had an injury in a bad movie, you have like maybe four feet of gauze wrapped around your head several times to show that you are uh possibly concussed. And that's what this guy has. Uh, so Tyler Perry plays uh, a character in this movie. He's the because of course he does. Well, sure. I don't. I don't mind that. It's it's him saving money by casting himself. It's a very small role. He's been, he has maybe four minutes of screen time in a two hour movie. So I'm not going to complain too hard. Uh, he does Tyler Perry things. Uh, serious Tyler Perry things, I should say. He does. He's not like doing Medea impressions or anything. But 
he he's her boss. He's Jasmine's boss, and he's like, I don't care. Get the plea deal done. That's his character, and it's like, okay, that's a fine character to have, I guess. Well, she's she's not a good lawyer. She doesn't try cases. She gets plea deals. So it's almost like there are good lawyers who 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 can get plea deals. It's <laughs> almost like there are lawyers who are specialized in certain tasks or something like that in different law yeah. offices. Hmm. And uh, I don't know. That was the other thing is like because she was complaining early on in the movie that like oh, I don't want to do this anymore. It's ruining my life. I thought it'd be so much funner to be a a lawyer, but it just makes me sad being surrounded by killers. And I was like, nobody told you you fucking had to be a criminal defense attorney. Like, yeah. go do something else. There's more laws. Yeah. Bird law is something that needs defended. Yeah. You know, I was just going to make a bird law joke. I feel like we reference Always Sunny almost as much as we do Cautionary Tales of Swords. It's because we're both from Pennsylvania. This is true. Uh, I don't know. When she said that, I'm like, so go be a prosecutor. Obviously, you want to yeah. do that instead. Yep. Uh, like Edgeworth, like, do you need to watch your father be shot in front of you in an elevator for you to go become a <laughs> prosecuting attorney? Like, what, what the fuck? Hmm? Exactly. Uh, I think we've talked about all of the movie. Uh, I will say just the just the whole like reveal of Grace's backstory. I think it's just told very poorly. Uh, it, it we didn't need all this setup of Jasmine's life. Like you're, <laughs> we basically needed like hectic knife levels of setup for this. You're you're a you're a public defender uh, a public defender. I know. You you typically take plea deals. I yeah. know. I really liked how uh, Jasmine kept endangering her husband's uh, cop career by like making him like basically spy through police records for her illegally. Mm-hmm. Um, and that never came up again in the movie, even though he complained the two times that uh, she made him do it. Oh, and don't and forget. Then, uh, He's the worst cop of all time. So, so he's making a, a bust outside of a convenience store. He yes, has a guy yes, yes, in yes. I wanted, I wanted to talk about this yes. because uh, this happens a couple times in the movie for like, like a, a ten to fifteen minute stint. He keeps handcuffing people and then leaving them there. Yep, <laughs> and it's amazing. Yeah. Uh, so he he busts this guy outside of, uh, outside of a convenience store. He has him against the hood of his car. Uh, he has him handcuffed, and he's like. Some guy radios him, and he's like, uh, officer whatever. And he's like, go ahead. And it's like, you're not going to believe this shit. Check out your computer. And he's like, don't move. And leaves him on the hood of his car. It's like, just put him in the back seat. What are yeah. you doing? Uh, and then he goes through his computer. He's like, fuck this. And then the guy is like, oh, I know he's about to drive away, so I'm going to get up from his car and then back away and, uh, and uh, stand next to the wall so that way he doesn't hit me with his car. I'm like, wait, what the <laughs> fuck is going on? So, to back to your earlier point about him, his career being endangered, it's clearly not endangered because he's doing all this research and then people in the police department fucking help him with his research. So they also yeah. don't care. And also because, uh, strangely for uh, a movie about uh, black characters created by black creators... Um, they live in a universe where the police have no consequences for their actions. So, what? A, what? A, 
What a concept. Uh, I mean, what what I can't believe what a fictional universe they created. So strange. Yeah, it's definitely a movie written by people who have no idea how the system works. I I, I do love my favorite my favorite part about the movie is when Jasmine it's like closing arguments and Jasmine's like, I want to call Sarah Miller to the stand. And the judge is like, You can't do that. You rested yesterday. I want to yeah, call Sarah Miller it's to like, the stand. It's like this is how this is how court works. And it's like it's almost like the judge is somebody who's continuously reminding Tyler Perry <laughs> of how court is supposed to work because for some reason he didn't want to do comedies anymore and decided to do drama films and uh they didn't go so good yeah Uh, i do want to bring up one thing uh and we can talk about this as little or as much as you want to uh notice how the prosecuting attorney uh the uh Judge and the assistant DA are also all white. Well, yeah, because they're like kind of the bad guys in the movie, like aside from the actual bad guys. But so, so do you feel like they were trying to say something by having the black woman constantly be demeaned by the white people, the white (sighs) men in the court? I kind of don't really feel like this movie was trying to say anything. I mean, you're right. Because ultimately Tyler Perry is like everything they were saying was correct, and it's like okay, well then you're not trying. To, you're you're just casting white people as in positions of power because reasons. Then that's I mean that's fine if you wanted to say something and like Tyler Perry would like back her up on anything that she was doing. I would understand, but considering the fact that he was just like, yeah, you're a fucking idiot, and then we we'll just walk away and be like, oh, okay, well he doesn't care then. Look at me. I'm a big fucking idiot. Anything else you want to say before we we wrap out of this? Nah, not really. Uh this looks cheap. This looks very cheap. Uh the way the camera moves, uh the way everyone's wearing like like we have like four sets throughout the entire movie. It, it just looks extraordinarily cheap. It looks like a TV production when you probably could have uh they probably shot this for like five nickels that Tyler Perry found in, in one of his coat pockets. Hmm. Um, I don't know. I remember watching the trailer for this movie on a, a downstream from way back and, uh, thinking it looked very bad and like very obvious what it, what it was. Mm-hmm. And like, as I was watching this, I remembered the trailer and I was like, Oh, it, Turns out it was that. Yeah. Uh, I remember th- this came out earlier this year, and Colby Mack was, uh, ha- had many discussions with people online about like Tyler Perry being a black creator and like how much longer like he could support another black creator because like he feels obligated to support black creators, but not if they're going to make uh, direct garbage like this. Uh, and that's relatively the words he was using. So I, that was, I already knew how bad this movie was based off of that, uh, before even coming into it. And I even found that tweet that, uh, that I sent regarding this movie where Netflix sent me a notification being like, Hey, a fall for grace is just a fall from grace has just come out. And I'm like, fuck no. Colby warned me about you. Get out of here. The moral of the story is we should all listen to Colby Mac. This is correct. So, what would you give A Fall From Grace? 
Uh, a one. Yeah, that's that's correct. It is a, a one-star movie. <laughs> Fuck you, Nick. Well, with that out of the way, um, what do we got coming up on the show next week, Dan? Next week on the show, uh, this is recommended by you and requested by you, really. Uh, we are going to review the Netflix original series, The Queen's Gambit, starring Anya Taylor-Joy. Uh, it's about a prodigious woman chess player. Uh, yeah. and and her life and and times. Uh and on the back half of that, we will be doing a patron requester review from patron extraordinaire Chrisini, who is literally a patron to every show that we are friends with. It's true. Uh so much expendable income on this Yaney. Yeah, right. Uh and he has requested the Nef- Netflix distributed anime movie Gantz Zero. Uh, which I alluded to earlier, is entirely animated in 3D. So I think Chris just he- wants to hear me complain about 3D animation when it comes to yeah, anime. Probably. Uh, and, and with that, I, I do want to implore all of our $5 patrons, if you haven't yet, uh, and I'm referring to everybody that isn't Chris Yini, Nick, and Ashley, uh, please drop your... Uh, requested reviews for quarter four in the thread because yeah, uh, Bill. we we have missed them uh we and we need them to continue doing that part of the show or don't some or people don't. make us watch tyler perry movies or more that's the thing nick nick has fucked us twice this quarter he made us watch a fucking marvista movie and then a tyler perry movie i'll watch every fucking marvista movie i don't even give a shit <laughs> Just become a Marvista podcast. They'll probably send us screeners, right? <laughs> You'd be more likely to than Netflix. 100% true. All right. Thank you to Space Weather for the use of our theme song, Bitter. As in, we're bitter that we watched another Tyler Perry movie. It's true. Um, you can find the show at NetflixAndSwill.com. Everything is at NetflixAndSwill.com. Uh, you can review us. You can buy our things. Um. You can become a patron of the show. Yeah. Uh, send us your dick pics. What? <laughs> I don't know. If you watch something bad, tell us about it, and we might talk about it, too. Yeah. That's happened several times. That's it. That's the whole show. Do you have anything else to add? No. All right. Well, until next week, this is Caleb saying... The president is a cunt. Long live the next president. <laughs>